It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Real Estate Strategies Podcast, where we host in-depth conversations on everything real estate with the industry's biggest movers and shakers. I'm your host, Ken McElroy, joined by my co-host, Daniil. Let's get right into this episode. Hey, everybody. It's Ken and Daniil. Hello. And I'm excited about this show with Alec Hansen. So Alec has a company called Loan Depot, and if you guys have not been reading the news that you don't realize what's <laughs> happening with interest rates because man the fed is killing real estate right now with its increases and the loan to values and i know personally we're just getting hammered trying to find loans get loans the loan to values the debt coverage ratios and all that stuff you don't know what all that means stay tuned because uh alec has a company called the loan depot the loan depot.com welcome alec how are you I'm great, guys. Thanks, Ken. It's fun to have this conversation, although it's a definitely a weird time in our industry. So hopefully I have a little levity and a little light, but it's tough out there right now. Yeah, I'm kind of glad you're on now because, you know, if we would have had you on a month ago or two, oh. it wouldn't have been as exciting. But Not now, at all. It'd be so, totally a different right? conversation. So yeah, different. Like, uh, okay, so, so different. Let's just start like, um, you know you know let's just go back a year. I think that's about yeah. all we need, right? Like so because it was like I would say Pretty calm going, you know, obviously incredible for your industry, both on originations and cash out refis. So now, you know, what's happening since the last two, uh, I guess, almost three rate hikes now. Yeah. Um, and where do you see uh, the interest rates going and, and are you seeing real estate slow down? Well, it's really shocked the market. Um, you know, I, I think our internal predictions and the industry predictions was kind of seeing landing kind of where we're at in the, in the, in the sixes, kind of mid sixes and sometimes by the end of the year, not by summertime. You know, we kind of expected some some ticks up throughout the year. But, you know, it's been the it's been the fastest rate increase since the Carter administration. And so it, it's really shocked um, the purchase market. And of course, it's decimated the refinance market. Um, now, of course, 95% of our cash our, of our refinance business right now is cash out because when people need money, they need money. And, and, you know, there's all time highs in the equity positions in, in the United States right now. So people are going in when they need it, but it's decimated the refinance market. And then the purchase market has really stutter stepped. And, and, you know, this there's pocket markets, not everything's the same, not every state's the same, but man, it, we're, we're finally seeing a little bit of slowdown from the multiple offers, multiple hundreds of thousand dollars over listing price, you know, all, all that craziness has kind of started to ebb out a little bit. Um, but it's still, I'm telling you, like in Orange County, it's a frenzy still. There's still multiple offers. There's still $100,000 over asking price. It's really traumatic. 
Well, a lot of people, too, still have cash, right? So not everybody's having to take out a mortgage. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, look, historically, you get a rate in the fives. That's not the end of the world. Yeah, I know. Let's don't forget that. <laughs> it's still well, under six. Well, I had oh, a- so spoiled. So I mean, like I, I get it. It's not two. Yeah. But like, it's still really good. It just depends on your perspective a little yeah. bit. Well, I think anyone that's lived through like the 80s inflation and stuff, like I think my parents' first house, they said it was at like 15% or something. Yes. So, I mean, I think to all of us, we're spoiled with these low rates, but they're really not that high. But I, I do want to know, Alec, do you think that this stutter step, do you think that this is a temporary thing where people are almost in shock about what just happened? And then they're probably going to come to the realization that, these rates aren't that high realistically and kind of get back into the market or that they're going higher. So they should get back into the market. Let me give you two funny examples. So we do a lot of new construction lending and that's, you know, six months, eight months build. And somebody went in there thinking they're going to get a rate in the threes and now they're getting a rate in the sixes. And they're like, I don't like this. And we're like, well, no one likes this. But then after they get over the sticker shock, they look at the price again, they redo their budget, assuming they can still qualify. Sadly, some people have been pushed out entirely from qualifying because they were kind of on the edge. You know, they, they accept it and they go, you know what, this is still a good rate. This is still what I want. This is still the house for my family and all those other things come into play and they still make the trigger. So I do agree with you that we're seeing a stutter step and people are going to kind of relax and get out there. But the, the, on the same time, you know, the reason there's still some frenzies in some market is because people are like, how high is it going to go? I got to right. get in now. Right. I got to get it done right now. Because what if it's seven? What if it's eight? And so there's still that component too. So it's, it's just a, it's a confusing time. We need everything to settle a little bit and pump the brakes, which I think we're kind of there candidly. I think the rates are kind of where they're going to sit for a good period of time. You don't think um, that they're going to have like a three, I keep hearing they're going to have another, um, you know, 0.75% hike in July. Are you guys thinking that's not going to happen? I, I think that's, if it does, I, I think that's starting to get baked into mortgage rates earlier than that. Like we don't, when the, when the Fed moves, we've already baked that in. Okay. And so we don't, we don't pop with them. We've already kind of elevated up before they really go out there. So we might tick up to the mid, mid sixes here um, if they're, if they're going to pop, but you know, and in the scheme of things, I, I think we're kind of settled. But again, that's one man's opinion. So I think that that's kind of interesting. And I don't think I fully understood that. And I, I don't think a lot of the audience does. So just because the Fed jumps the at another 0.75 does not mean the interest rates jump another 0.75? Totally correct. Yeah, those are sh- it's short-term debt. So if it's, if, it's, if it's your credit cards and your HELOCs, your home equity lines of credit that move when the prime rate, when they move, Mortgage rates tend to trend on that stuff, but you know that's it's a whole it's a long term debt product. It's different. Um, it's can it, it does move with it, but it's not like when that moves, we move. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, very good point, Alec. Maybe you could talk about what the Fed funds rate is and what spreads are and short term rates, because I think a lot of times people assume that to your to Daniel's point that it you know it's all in one bucket, but it really isn't. No, it's not. Um, you think about short-term rates like credit cards or equity lines in a house, you know, that that's the kind of short-term rate that the Fed funds rate manipulates directly. And, and that kind of stuff is, you know, what affects consumers directly pretty, pretty aggressively. Long-term rates, these are securities that are bought in the secondary market. You know, they're they, on the mortgage side, they tend to be sold to Fannie and Freddie or other, other investors. And that stuff has a whole different principle and backing to it that affects its valuation and it moves up and down. Now, the weird thing right now is, we're in an inverted yield curve. And all that really means is the short-term debt is more expensive than long-term debt. And that's really weird in terms of mortgages. So like five, one arms are more expensive than 30 year fixed. That's not supposed to be how it works. 
Um, but that's part of the shock that we're experiencing in this rapid increase in this I was talking borderline to recession about that. we're collapsing into. Basically, what they're saying is what the yield curve is negative is that they're they're more bullish on short term than they are long term. Right. Yep. That's essentially it. And normally it's the other way around. Normally they're more Absolutely. bullish on the long term. Can you like break that down, though, for someone that's not following like me? Um, so why is the short term debt more expensive than the long term debt? Yep. Go ahead out. It's it's a little complicated and you're a little out of my swim lane, but I'll give you my best my best interpretation of this whole thing. So the, the short term debt environment is they don't believe that it has the, the same. It's riskier than the long term debt. And so they're pricing it worse. And so what that in this kind of environment, when it does get in, in, in flipped around, it doesn't last very long. It's always pretty short, but it definitely shocks the market a little bit and chases investors to different buckets. And so when they're going after like long-term debt, by the way, this is another, this is a small tangent, but it's interesting, you'll find it interesting. Um, right now, as we're pushing higher coupons, the six and a half or 7% coupons, those investors that buy that are not buying it right now. And the reason they're not buying it is because they don't believe we're gonna be staying there. So if you wanna get up into those coupon rates, we actually can't offer them in the mortgage world right now. We're forced to kind of keep you down in the, in the sixes and charge points and charge fees. We can't, we can't offer you a higher rate because the investment community believes that rates are not going to stay there. They're going to get pushed down. And if they sold it to you, like if I gave you a, a 7% rate, Ken, you're just going to refinance that in, in 12 months when the rates go back down and the recession hits. And so they're not offering it. So this disruption we're experiencing is causing a lot of confusion. It's causing a lot of, of consumer confusion. And the investment community doesn't really know where we're going yet either. And then the worst part or the most interesting part is 90% of the mortgages done in the United States today end up at Fannie and Freddie at the government institutions. And as you know, they've stopped buying mortgage debt um, due to quantitative ease and quantitative trending, and it's now going the other direction. So I, here's my best prediction for anybody that's out there looking at mortgage rates and wondering what to do. Take the long-term perspective that rates in the sixes and fives are fantastic and recognize that we're likely heading into a recession that's gonna pull rates back down into the fours threes because the economic indicators just are, are too strong that the recession's upon us. And so, you know, fall in love with the house and, and date the rate, yep, as they say. I agree with that. Can you, can you speak a little bit uh, to, you know, what I call the equity trap, you know, people are in, you know, you, you touched on it where the, these folks have had incredible runs in the, the equity in their home. Yeah. And they made it up. Maybe they did a bunch of cash out refis before. Maybe they didn't. But the fact is, is that whatever their rate was is less than what it is today. So to do it, to do a cash out refi. Yes. You're you're um, you know, there's there's a consequence because now your payments are going to go up significantly. Would you agree that a lot of people are in this equity trap? Yes. Um, and so they're going to it's going to be interesting what they're going to do. And it's also causing us to have a big problem with inventory. Inventory is a huge issue right now. And it's causing the rate, the pricing to jump significantly because you can't find a house anymore because people don't want to sell their house at, they have a 2% rate or a 3% rate. They have one of the best rates in the history of the, of the United States mortgage world. And the, the prices are at super high and they go, where am I going to go? Cause now I, I sell, I get, a, I get a, some, some cash, but now I, now rates are in the sixes. Plus I'm buying into a high market. So they're not selling. What's going to happen, Ken, is they're going to take out equity lines of credit. They're going to take out second mortgages, which were very, very popular in the pre-crisis in 2008. 
And a home equity line of credit is effectively a credit card against your home. And it allows you to tap that equity. And now it's going to be on a variable rate and has interest only payments. And there's lots of features to it, but you can tap that equity without touching your first. And so people are going to look, do the math on that and say, Hey, if I, if I want a hundred thousand dollars out of my house now, to your point, Ken, if I do a full refinance, my payment's going to go to 6%. It's going to be skyrocketing. But if I just take a hundred thousand dollars out on an equity line, pay that at an interest only payment, what's the difference? What's the savings? Is this more beneficial to me? And I think you're going to see the equity line market explode in the United States right that now. Makes a tremendous it's hard sense. to get an equity line right now though, right? I mean, I haven't looked, but last I looked, uh, like Chase wasn't doing them. Wells wasn't doing them. Yeah, it's who been, offers those? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. They, they kind of shut those down a, a, a little over a year ago. They, they, they have, and now the non-bank market is, going to, is emerging with more digital-based equity lines. See, the equity line is not a mortgage product. It's not ma ma uh, managed and, and regulated by Dodd-Frank and the, the regulation over mortgages. It can be done more like a, a credit card or a signature loan can be underwritten. Now, you have to be serious about underwriting these things. You can't just fling them out there. But you're going to see non-banks step into the equity line space very aggressively in the next year. I mean, like Loan Depot is launching our own in less than 30 days. And it's a full digital process, seven days, no appraisal um, kind of experience to give somebody access to this equity. Do you think that people could get in trouble with that? You know how we saw in 08 and, you know, people falling behind if the equity in their house lowers? Well, here's my, my, my biggest fear having come through the crisis in 2008 and watching what happened, you know, and, and this is a different experience than that crisis. And we can unpack that too, as, as, as deep as you want to go. This is radically different. But if people max out their home's equity, and if the home values go down, we're going to be looking at the same type of thing that happened in 2008, which was my house is worth less than I owe. Why would I stay in it? And, and, the crazy part about 2008 and the mortgage market back then was the entire industry was based on credit score because there was waivers for documentation and the capital markets group believe, hey, this guy has an 800 FICO score. We don't need to see his pay stubs. We don't need to see his W-2s. This person pays their bills. Well, all of a sudden now their house is upside down by $200,000 and they start to strategically default. They just go, I'm not paying anymore. And they walk away let alone the other people that lost their jobs and had needed to sell and were upside down. So that, that does scare me. And that's, that's one of the things that I think mortgage professionals have to be really cautious about and educating people on it. Um, I don't think we're going to allow HELOCs to go that high, meaning we're not, we're not going to offer stuff that goes up to hundred percent valuation. We're not going to offer things that can max somebody out because the risk, we, we know the risk. We looked at what happened last time. Um, so I don't think we're going to repeat those mistakes, but it is a concern. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I think so. Um, thank you, Alec. I think that's uh, fascinating. I think uh, let's let's stay on the word collateral because yeah. let's don't forget that the collateral pays all of this off. Right. Yep. So at the end of the day, it's really not about the person. I mean, it is. They have no, to make yeah, the payments. No. At the end of the day, if you got a first on there and you have a big amount of equity in there and then you tap into it through this, um, you know, cash out refi aggress or a second, yep. as the collateral goes down, the price goes down of the collateral, let's say from a home goes from a million to 800,000. Now that second is in jeopardy, right? Isn't that what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, somebody could look at that and just go, I'm not going to pay this anymore. 
And, you know, we're going to, we're going to go down that route. And it happened, that happened a lot in 2008, but it wasn't, the whole market didn't crash because of strategic defaults. There were some strategic defaults, people that could make their payment and chose not to, but the market crashed because there were people that couldn't make their payment. Right. That's right. <laughs> so it, and it can happen. It can start with the second. It can start with the second, but it really can, it, it, it comes off. It's with employment. It comes out, it comes down to employment. If somebody loses their job or their jobs impacted because of a recession, then they can't make their payment anymore and they need to sell. Now, in most cases, if it's a minor recession, so to speak, then they just sell and they take their cash from, the, from, from their house and they go rent. Um, in a major situation, the, the values of the houses are crashing at the same time this is happening and they can't sell because they, it's not worth what they owe on it. And now, you know, we're back and look, look exactly like 2008. But the reason I don't think it's going to happen like that again, the, the amount of equity that's been built up in the United States real estate right now is so high that we would have to have something absolutely dramatic affect employment at a national level. And we'd have to see that pull housing prices down from the highest peak we've had it. It would be a very intense experience for that to happen. I agree with you. I, I you know, in 08, what happened was there were a lot of people that couldn't afford to pay. They got houses and, um, and there was an oversupply of houses. So yeah, yeah, those two things happen at once, you know, that's, um, you know, and that whole car house of cards came tumble down. This is very different. I think that's why everyone's confused about it. You know, yeah. there's so much equity in the, in the homes, the savings rates are at all times high yes. and, and, uh, but rates are ticking up. So, you know, we've, we created these asset bubbles, whether it's in the stock market, crypto market, real estate market, it doesn't really matter. They've all been created through a lot of cash. And, and now they're just adjusting. I don't really see a big, you know, a big overcorrection of real estate personally. I mean, I'm seeing issues on the commercial side because of the, the interest rates, but, but for, for single family, we need more inventory. We, yeah. we don't want it to be a seller's market. You, you know, no. there are, this is, these balances are good. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I actually, I'm kind of an eternal optimist and I try not to be like, so, you know, everything's great all the time, but to me, this feels a lot more like a normalization. Yeah. Like it's, it, we, we need like, so, so th think of this just as an example, right? So the mortgage industry pre COVID was about a 2.5 trillion dollar industry. Through 2020 and 2021, we, had, we ballooned to a $4.3 trillion industry. That's not normal and that's not healthy. Now there's, there's wealth to be made there and lots of things that are there, but you just look at that and go that that's, so we're, we're, we're collapsing back now to about a 2.5, maybe even a $2 trillion market, which is still in the history of mortgage markets, $2 trillion mortgage market is really healthy for the United States. Especially during COVID. Yeah, <laughs> that's the part no that's the funniest part. It's like it, the, your industry just went over the top during COVID. So, it, you know, if people don't realize that that was inflationary, then they're out of oh. their minds. Like, that's exactly what they're trying to combat right now. Well, I think you have a lot of people, you know, they, they missed out in 08, right? Because they lost their house or they sat on the sidelines and they kind of saw what happened from 2008 into 2019 and how they kind of missed some good buying opportunities. So I think now with social media, you have everyone's an expert, right? And oh, everything's going to just crash down and this is your next big chance and it's going to be another 08 all over again. It's like 
they've never really lit, like we've never had an online recession before, right? Just no. a, a normal slowing. And I was reading some comments today, and somebody said the Phoenix market inventories tripled. And somebody said, yeah, instead of a a, a ten day housing supply, we now have a thirty day yeah. housing <laughs> supply, but we still need a six month housing supply right. to get us back yes. to pre pandemic yes. levels. So good for you. You know, it's kind of funny when you look at that kind of yeah, stuff. Good. You're right. That's exactly right. The no, narrative. You're so right. It's the normalization. Mm-hmm. And so so you get the headlines because they want to sell clicks, whatever they want to sell. So they're inflaming the, the reality that you went from, you know, one day to 30 days. Thank God. <laughs> and now we need to get back to four to five months, six months. And it's like, guys, stop, stop freaking everyone out. This is this is healthy. We need more supply to come back. We need some people to, to sell their houses. Um, and, you know, if, if, if it happens through their economic hardships, that's sad personally, if I knew them, but like it opens up supply. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Alec, let's talk about, cause I did a video on this to be honest. I can't remember exactly what, what the, what was it? Four or five or six months. What's a normal housing supply? Uh, you know, isn't it, uh, somewhere right around five months of supply. Yeah. I was going to say four to six months. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, so that's normal, guys. That means that prices are going up a little bit. There's a little yeah. resistance on both sides. You're not paying the highest dollar for something, but you're not getting deep discounts either. Can you guys explain what that means, like a four- to six-month supply? Yeah. Like, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Go ahead, out. Yeah, it has to do with how long a home stays on the market. So, like, meaning if, if it's a four-month supply market, that means if I put a home on the market today, it should take four months to sell. If I price it, appropriately. Yes. If I fire sale it, it'll go fast. If I price it too high, it'll go longer. You know, that that's just kind of how the, the, it should work. You, you should not, the other extreme is you should not put your home on the market and have 35 people outside in 10 minutes putting an offer on. <laughs> what? That's not normal. Like, I know. That's yeah, not... And at hundreds of thousands over, I, I, that's a note to self. That's not normal. I, so, no, that's, yeah. that's not sustainable. That's yeah. terrible. I, I see the headline now. Man's, ha- man's house takes yeah. 60 days yeah. to sell. Dun, oh, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> the, the, best thing, the best thing is that people think, oh my God, we're in a crash. Oh, well, just a month ago, Go. There were 35 people outside doing 100,000 plus over, and now it's to your point. Now, you, now that it's 30 days on the market, people are freaking out. It's good. It's good. It's healthy. We need this, and and in and the long term perspective, what's available today with interest rates and opportunity and financing is phenomenal. So if we just had blinders on for the last couple of years and just popped in today, we'd go. This is awesome. Um, we just need that perspective sometimes. Let's talk a little bit about defaults. You know, we, 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 during the COVID and the pandemic, you know, there was all kinds of restrictions on, um, on everyone really landlords and homeowners and, and, uh, uh, you know, lenders and all that kind of stuff. Now that's all over. Well, not completely over, but most mostly over. Um, <laughs> are you seeing anything, uh, with the mortgage data that's, that's showing up? Um, defaults are still very low. And, and, and there's, a, there's a reason for this, and it was the same reason in 2006 that defaults were very low, because you could just sell. If you get into economic trouble, through whatever reason, you just sold, and you had all this equity, and then you did whatever you had to do. And so that was one of the hidden tricks of 2006 was defaults were so low, so everyone was like, well, these mortgages must be great. No, they weren't great. People could just sell because there was tons of demand, and they can get out of it. We have that today. So defaults are super low, because if someone gets in trouble... Like you would, Ken, you just go, I'm selling and making $200,000. So I'm out of trouble now. Now I got to rent or whatever else, but I I, I figured it out. 
I think that's going to stay low because I don't, again, I don't think the equity erosion, I don't think we're going to see, um, even with rates like there are, I don't think we're going to see massive depreciation of home value because, again, there's just not enough homes. Yeah, I was looking at the charts yesterday and I, I didn't realize that home equity spiked up so much uh, oh, in the last big. 24 months. I mean, I watched it over the years. It was, it was you know, steady growth, steady growth, but then it's like a hockey stick for it the is, last yeah. two years. What do you think about these people that, you know, bought um, or buying right now, right? So if there's a correction in the market and they're buying right now at higher values and a little bit higher of interest rates than we've seen. So there's, there's several different types of buyers right now. Um, and, and let's just talk about the, the, no, the most normal kind. The person that's buying their primary residence for their family and they're going to live there. You know, so they go out and they get a 6% rate today or they, get, they use a government loan and they get maybe a 5% rate and they, they put 20% down and they, they got their first home or they put 10% down. And somehow, let's just say the worst thing in the world happens and prices, pricing goes down and they lose that 10% and now they're either underwater or exactly at where they bought their house. Unless they become unemployed and have a job issue where their, where their income dramatically shifts down or, or the inflation around this causes everything else to go up so high they can't afford it anymore, they're going to be able to pay their mortgage because these are fully documented, underwritten people. They're, they're not coming in and breathing around a mirror and getting a loan. Like They're going through the wood chipper to get a loan. We're seeing every all their finances. We know how much reserves they have. We know everything about them. And so in most normal cases, they're just going to pay their mortgage and live in their house and raise their kids. Yeah. Said another way, you're qualifying this buyer this time. <laughs> oh, and it's worse. We're not just qualifying them. It's full blood samples. And, and it's like, it's the, it is the worst. Yeah. I remember, I remember back in the day that early 2000s, there was what they call stated and non-stated, right? Absolutely. Which meant, you know, one meant you had to pull out your, your uh, tax returns and on your, pa your, your pay stubs and all that stuff. And eventually all that documentation went away. And then all yes. of a sudden, to your point, fog a mirror, get a loan. Uh, and that's the transition. And this, this, this time around, it doesn't look like the lenders are doing that. No, it's, it's the exact opposite. Everything is done, I's dotted, T's crossed. Everybody's been reviewed upside down and forwards. And so unless, like I said, unless something happens with their job and employment, um, they're going to just pay their mortgage and, and they're going to move on and because they're buying to live there. Now, there are people that are buying second homes, investment properties right now and, and, and trying to become, you know, investors that maybe shouldn't. And I know you talk a lot about this, Ken, in some of your programs. I listen to a lot of your podcasts catching up with you. And, and the way you educate is right on. You got you to understand cash flow. You got to understand what's going on. But there are some people buying investment properties at cheap rates that probably shouldn't be. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen to them and, and, and how they're going to manage their business, um, yeah, but maybe that'll free up some more inventory if they if they don't do a good job. I'm concerned about those folks because they're they're not really investors, in my opinion. They're 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 buying and they're hoping the market goes up and they're covering all the costs. And by the way, I, I want them to make money. But the 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 homes going up is not a certainty like it's been for the last 10 years. And I think a lot of people just believe that next, you know, that bigger fool theory, right? Next year is going to be better than last year. That's my only issue. Now you've got a higher cost of borrowing, yep. you know, just to make that even harder, right? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yeah, unless you are a good investor, a thoughtful investor, someone who takes great counsel, somebody who's really in it and, and as a profession versus as a side hustle, you know, now is not the time to play. Yep. Um, but if you're in it as a profession, it's, you can always find great deals. Yep. You know, you can always find deals that work. You just got to be thoughtful about it. Yeah. Right. What you guys are basically saying is if it's a cash flowing deal and it works, then you're fine. But you shouldn't be trying to flip right now or feed a deal thinking that the rents are going to go up or the value is going to go up and you're going to be able to exit in the next few years. If you exit at all, you know, there's always time. You can always do a cash out refi. You can always renovate later. You know, this is this is not like a stock you're trying to time. And I keep telling people this. This is a this is a long term cash flow deal. If you find a house or find a rental, keep it, you know, write it out, cover it with your renter, and then at some point, I mean, we we bought a whole bunch of stuff in Alec in um, 07, 08, and nine and ten. Yeah, and um, it, there was no value add then. Yeah, no. We were just buying for cash flow, and then what happened was seven eight years later. Yes. we're like, hey. You know, now's a great time to remodel these and grow the income and grow the rents. But what paid for the units during that time were the renters. And I think that's the point. It's a long-term view on everything. Yep. Agree 100%. So let's let's jump over to the severe shortage that we have in housing. Because I know... This is another factor that needs to discuss. This is not a sales job. If you really take a look at the last 10 years, we've literally just undersupplied. Yep. Now, um, and that's that, you know, that has to be calculated into things. But the other side of that, and you kind of touched on it because we have we have 200 million right now under construction. Um, my <laughs> partner, Ross and I and interest rates and supply chain shocks are killing our our numbers. And um, and also it's killing our acquisition numbers, you, you know, so all that does is make it worse. In other words, you know, there's there, you, you know, you mentioned that some people are going to have to walk away from new construction. We were we were just talking about this on Tuesday of this week. How many how many people are going to now have to walk because of two things? One, the cost of their debt or equity go are going up and the cost of the actual project are going up because there's really no such thing anymore as entry level housing. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. yeah yes, actually I would. And I'll, I'll share a couple of scenarios that are interesting. So um, we have customers that did long-term locks. We locked them for nine months and we locked them at 3%. Uh, and I'm just giving you, you know, anecdotes. 
Um, and then the builder with supply chain issues and everything else couldn't deliver the house in time. So now the builder comes to us and says, we're going to be done in another three months. And I go, okay, this borrower will no longer qualify for the house because their rate will expire. They're going to be subject to current market rates and they don't qualify anymore for this house. Uh, we also have borrowers that were not locked that were just kind of waiting for the house to be done. Again, same situation. Rates have gone up. They don't qualify anymore. The, 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 the sad or interesting thing here is there's a bunch of people in line right behind them that do qualify. So because of the, it, there's no other houses to buy. So they just walk right in with the new borrower and they just close the loan and, and they just close their home. So people are going to miss out right now. It'll take some segment of the market out because your buying power just got halved, so to speak. But there's so many more people. The demand is still so high right behind it that it's not changing um, the outcome for the builder. They're just closing with whoever can afford it. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, uh, folks, if you didn't understand that, you, you know, obviously these people qualified at the beginning for the land plus construction. Yeah. The construction pushed out past the time frame and the loan was uh, up. In other words, yeah. now they have yeah. to qualify for the next loan, right, to finish the project, yeah. and they don't. And so uh, what's, how do you unwind something like that? Do you just find another investor to come in and take them out? Well, what happens in this situation, so if you're, if you're a buyer and you're getting a long-term lock, you're basically locking the loan for nine months at 3% rate, and you're, and you're saying that my home will be completed in nine months. And so we're going out to the investment community, we're securing, we're hedging that loan, we're locking it in at 3%. And we told the investor, we're going to, we're going to close. So when we don't close, we have issues on the inside of the company to manage that hedge that we didn't perform against. We told them we'd do it, we didn't do it, they held the market for us. Um, and so that buyer effectively has to walk from the deal. And so now we need a new buyer to come in and buy the home from the builder. And they come in at current market rates and assuming they qualify, they buy the house and the builder moves on. Um, so the person who really got burned is just the person that got hit by this rate increase and can't afford it. Yeah. And that's why I brought up this because, you know, if you look at Goldman Sachs report, I don't know if they're going to be accurate, but they're saying there's going to be an increase in all seven of the feds meetings. Hmm. So now whether that happens or not, who knows, but certainly we know the rates have gone up each, each yeah. meeting so far. I think has there been three so far. Yeah. So there's four more ones in July. And I think they, I think they're off in August and they're off again in September. But the point is, are you have to bake this kind of you have to bake this into your into your business yes. plan, don't you? I mean, you have to be because yes. these are real things where you're qualifying a buyer, they're moving forward, and then the rates adjust, and then you have to take action. So, what are you guys doing as lenders? We're jellyfish a little bit in the sea, you know. So as the stuff comes out and as things get moved, we we gotta we we move with it, and and the industry just just floats, floats kind of on the current of how it's happening. Um, so it's a little bit of um, an out of our control type of an environment as an industry. Now, certain lenders can try to carve costs down and offer different rates and all that stuff. But just as an industry, you know, you float on the stream of this whole thing. It is interesting. And, and then the buyer, yeah. the, you know, if they haven't thought this through, they don't have cash reserves or or whatever it might be, or the fact that rates might go up uh, if, this, if the construction is not done. These are yeah. the people that are going to get in trouble in this next cycle. Yeah. So, I mean, what's happening, and this is part of the normalization of the industry, is a segment of the buyers that could buy are, are being washed out. They, they can't qualify anymore, so they're going away. And so that means instead of 30 people trying to bid on the house, there's now 15. Yeah. 
and so but, but that's that's okay i mean that's the right direction we, we need to get we need to keep moving that direction um but when you go if you go too high too fast which is part of the problem you wipe out everybody or what's happening right now i mentioned that stutter step people are so nervous they just have they just pull back so they might be able to qualify at six but they thought they had three and now they're just like i'm gonna wait i'm not gonna i don't know what's happening there's too much uncertainty and they back away yeah. well and they yeah because they don't know if the prices are going to correct or if you know yes. in in their closing the rates are going to go up more than what they are you know and so there's just a like you said a lot of uncertainty so they're freaking out well, and they're just me that question remember yeah. we're in the process of building a house it's it's worth you know it, it's an expensive build and remember you asked me that question it's like Oh my gosh! Like where rates are now, you know what's right. I even said to him, I go, "Do you think that we should delay the building and just kind of see kind of what happens with rates and supply and all these things?" Because our budget when we started and our budget now is very, very different. Well, the cost (laughs) went up, but also the cost to borrow went up. Yeah. So all of those things, and 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 those are real conversations, uh, and, and those are things that you actually have to have. Wouldn't you agree with that? That's real talk. That's that's exactly what he, every single human that's dealing with housing right now is having the same dinner table conversations of, you know, do we wait? Do we go in? What do we do? You know, is this going to come back and correct itself where I don't have to offer over asking price? Maybe I can offer just the asking price. And that's 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 what's going to slow down the housing world. Now, will it slow it down enough? That depends on how much inventory we have. And we don't have a lot. Yeah. So let's talk about that, because that if you you know if you erase all the noise at the end of the day listings or inventory normalize a market would you agree with that yes like 100% it's it's supply and demand all day long at the basic at the basic fundamentals if there's there's not enough houses to buy and there's a bunch of people that can afford to buy it and they're all going after it your pricing and and the and the price of the house just continues to skyrocket but, but it, it does, you had mentioned earlier with the rates being so low, it's almost like the Fed lowered the rates and now they're putting their foot in their mouth on it because everybody is in these low rates and doesn't want to sell. So we had a house listed in our neighborhood for a few days. And then literally the day after the Feds raised the 0.75 uh, rate hike, the for sale sign disappeared, yeah. right? And huh. we're like, well, we know it didn't sell because there was no sold sign. And you know what it probably was is they're probably sitting in a 2.6, 2.7 interest rate on their home. Yes. And now they were thinking about buying something and then jumping into this much larger rate, maybe a more expensive property. And it just isn't making sense. And I think you're going to have a lot of, you're not going to get the inventory you want because people are sitting in these really low locked in rates. Yeah. A hundred percent right. And that's what's going to continue. And that, that's why I don't think we're going to be entering this massive housing crash because people can still make their payments. They have really low rates and they, they don't have to sell. And so they won't. And can, so the inventory will stay low. Can you talk about, cause I think we're all a little bit confused on this. Um, you know, during COVID you had people that couldn't make their payments. Right. And sure. the government said, you don't have to make them. Don't worry about it. But Perfect. then they, but then they, then they're like, okay, now you have to worry about it, but you lost your job. So I'm going to let you do, were you doing like 40 year mortgages, no qualifications? I mean, is all that really true? Forbearance was very, very real. And, and forbearance was kicking the can down the road. And so I think forbearance actually did some good. And I think it did some bad. But the good stuff was, you know, Joe Smith couldn't make their payment. Their industry got disrupted. Their job got disrupted. And they needed time to get another job. 
and they and Joe got another job, and Joe got figured out how to come good on his payments over time. You know, I, I think that was an honorable thing to do for that guy, right? That, that was the right thing. This is this is a world pandemic. Like this is this is a good thing to do. Now, poor Joe. This is the other Joe, <laughs> or Susie. She, she gets another job, but how the hell does she get the payment she missed? She lost her job. Where is she getting this magic money from, from the payment she didn't have to pay that now she has to pay? And so for a lot of people, it just kicked the can down the road because if we would have foreclosed then, we, we let them live in their house another year and then we foreclosed because they owed us all that year of payment. So where do they get that from magically? So it did, it did a lot of good. It kicked the can down the road a little bit for other people. Um, some people strategically took advantage of it and they just said, oh, I don't have to pay. So I'm not going to when they could have paid. Um, so there, which caused a lot of economic turmoil on the back end for the mortgage servicers and the people that own the loan. They're like, well, wait a minute, we have jobs. We got to pay our bills too. You could, you know, so it, it's a lot of turmoil. I, I don't know what, if it was a good decision or bad decision. I'm just glad it's done because I didn't think it was healthy. Um, but I, it, there, there was some weird, there was some bad stuff happening in there and there was some good stuff. So we, we had talked to somebody who, who did mortgages and they said that they were doing 40 year mortgages. Have you heard anything on that to help people out or seeing that there, going forward? There, there are 40 year mortgages that are a little bit, um, they're called non QM loans. That means non-qualified mortgages. That doesn't mean they're bad. They just kind of fall outside of the government's kind of oversight, but they're still insured and they're still good loans. Um, but the, the biggest talk has been to take the government business and make it and allow for 40 year loans. And what that does is it increases the affordability of the home, because if you stretch a payment out over another 10 years, your payments come down, right? I mean, if I have another 10 years to pay you and I can spread it all out, then you have a lower payment, which means you can qualify for more home. And so one of the, one of the strategic moves right now is, well, we should offer that to make affordability better for people of lower income. And I, I personally don't know how I feel about that. Um, what I mean, what's next? A hundred-year loan? I mean, thirty-year loans are already. <laughs> well, I, I have to laugh at the car loans. You know, when I was a <laughs> kid, it was thirty-six, forty-eight months. You know, you get a yes. car. Now it's like it's like past eighty-four months. All of a sudden, it's like doubled, yes. and you know the cost of the car has gone up. But but the you know they're 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 solving to the payment. So we've watched this happen, you know, with vehicles, and I was wondering, you know, it's a great question you asked because. I, I, it actually would help a lot of people to, to mitigate some of these inflationary issues. You're yes. right. It wouldn't necessarily, might not necessarily help on the equity side as much, but um, because to your point, they're spreading it out. But I, uh, the 40 year mortgage is, is not necessarily a bad option for people that are getting squeezed with inflation. No. And, 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 in the United States, in the history, we, we've the thirty-year mortgage is, is a weird thing. If we're just if we step back for a second, no other country really offers thirty-year mortgages, especially government-backed. It's a very weird thing. They're all arms, and arms are a bank product, and people like arms because they know that at some point my return is going to get normalized to the market. I'm not stuck in a debt for thirty years. Um, but the American homeowner today, I mean, it was a badge of honor to pay off your mortgage. You know, people would tape, tape, tape their deed to their door when they, when they paid off their mortgage. It was like a thing. But you look forward today, no one's paying off their mortgage anymore. They're, they're, like, it's insane. They just keep refinancing. That For the last 30 years, you know, no one's paying off mortgages. That's just not our culture anymore. So a 40-year mortgage, yeah, I mean, fine. No one's going to pay it off. Who's going to live 40 years in their house? <laughs> well, right, right, right. Yeah. 
Well, well, and also, you know, if if we would provide a forty-year mortgage, would that not boost home prices even higher <laughs> because a, people could make the payment? The market, yeah, which is what that's we don't what we need. don't need. <laughs> Well, I know because you got what well, now. I think we're up well, well over four hundred on the average now, and the rates are up in the sixes. So I, I did a video recently about you know I think mortgage payments have doubled in yes. like just a period of almost a year. Is, is, with with the rising prices, I might be a little aggressive on that, but with the rising prices and the rising rates, um, it's got to be close to that. Well, so Ken, this is the funny math we get to talk to consumers about every day. We say, look, you think that the housing prices are going to come down and you think that rates are going to continue to go up. So let's just look at it today. Let's say you're buying a $500,000 home at 6% today. And you think the home is going to go down to 400,000 or 450, 450 to 400,000, but rates go up to seven. What <laughs> you do the math and, you, and, and, and my, my math won't work in this example, but I'm telling you there are very specific examples where the payment is the exact same. The yeah. payment is the exact same. And you go to the person and go, it's your choice. You can wait and have the same payment as you have now. And, and this is for consumers to wrestle with, right? We, we just give advice. Mortgage people just go, here's, your, here's something to consider and think about. How do you think the market's going? I don't know where the market's going or else I wouldn't be doing loans. I'd be doing what Ken does. You know, so <laughs> I can't predict those things. But if rates go up and values go down and you're in the same payment as before, what did you really accomplish? Yeah, I know. That's what we were talking about that the other day. Yeah, well, and then we get, you know, our YouTube comments and stuff. It's like, yeah, but you can refinance out of the debt, <laughs> but you can't, re you know, or you know what I mean? You can refinance, but you can't get out of the debt. But that's a lot. Like, people have a lot of ifs and ifs and ifs. So, yes, if this is, a, if you buy at this rate and if interest rates, you know, stay the same and if the debt does go back down, I mean, there's, there comes a point where, like, you got to just make a decision. You can't have, if these 10 things happen, then you're screwed. It's like, well, of course, you know, if those 10 things happen, then yes. I know. I well, know. Daniel, that, that's really why we talk about payment a lot. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's cash that you have to give to us. Like, that, that's the end game of this conversation is the monthly payment, your budget, what you can afford, what allows you to save money at the same time, what doesn't overextend you. You know, that's, that's the real important bottom line in this game. And we don't look at it much different, really, because we take it down to payment, too. Like, and that's why we teach you just look for cash flow. You know, yes. if, the, if the rent is this and your expenses are this and it, you know, and it equals a cash flow each and every month, that's all you really need to focus on. You don't need to get in the weeds of, will prices go down? Will interest rates go up? Will this yes. happen? Will that happen? It comes down to just, you know, income minus expenses equals a profit. And then if you, it does, then it's a good deal. That's right. Yep. That's right. So, Alec, I got uh, two more questions before we yeah. wrap up. The first one is, um, what what do you think about inflation, and what what is inflation doing to your industry? Well, it, it crushes affordability because people um, we qualify people on debt to income, so we look at their overall debt and we look at their income, and then we use that math to qualify them on what they can afford. And just because they can afford something doesn't mean they should do that deal, by the way. Just because they can afford it and the government says, we'll buy this loan doesn't mean you should do it. But that's one of the key indicators of how you get a mortgage. Well, with inflation and the cost of the world just rising, um, even though they qualify, they go, but all my other life expenses have gone up through the roof now. And I don't, I'm not comfortable anymore with this payment. Yeah. So that, that's, that's what kills, um, pulls buyers out of the market, uh, which 
is okay. We, you know, it, it's some buyers leaving is probably okay right now, but it's, it's terrible overall because it just crushes the ability for people to buy homes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, when you, when you're qualifying a buyer, you're looking at all of those things and um, as inflation's hitting everyone, then their ability to pay that mortgage payment uh, is, uh, is harder, right? Yep. Yeah. So the last thing before we wrap up, um, if, 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 if you were your younger self looking at this recession coming, and obviously you, you qualify thousands of buyers and your company's yep. growing like crazy and you have lots of loans out there and you've been looking at people's tax returns and all that stuff. What advice would you give somebody? Um, okay, we're definitely heading into a recession. That's for sure. It, it pretty yep. much looks like if we're not there already. What would you what would you tell them to do? <clears throat> what would you tell them to do so that they don't get in a position to where they're going to lose whatever it is they have? You know, um, I know, Kenny, you, you, you'd agree with me on this. It's a highly personal decision on whether to, to make a, a big financial move. But the historical reality of home ownership in America has made generational wealth for families for decades. And owning things long-term, um, not as an investment necessarily, but as a place to raise your family and a place to live in a community and invest has so many benefits to the community, to your own wealth, to your family, um, that I think it far outweighs the risk. And so I always land kind of first and foremost on, is this the place you want to live? And everyone's different. But is this the place you're going to, I'll give you, I'll give you a personal example. So I bought in the peak of the market in 2006. And I, I was new. I was um, uh, uh, newly married, and we bought a house at the highest part of the market in 2006 in Orange County. And the market crashed, and all of the money that I put in as a down payment was wiped out, and the you know the equity position was wiped out. I lived in that house for 14 years. I raised my kids there, brought them home from the hospital there, you know. And I I just moved in November last year, but I loved that house, and it served. It was a and by the way. When I finally moved, I, my equity was back. I, I sold it at a great, I got a lot of money and did the thing. So for me, it wasn't, I'm not trying to flip that house. To me, that was the best decision I could have ever made. I loved living there. And for the quality of life and, and for what it meant from us after 14 years of living there, we did great. So I think that everyone has to kind of go deep on that personal perspective. Um, but the only thing I would add to it right now as we look at a recession coming out is job stability. If your job, if you can see the recession impacting your job where you're not going to be in a place where you can afford your mortgage anymore, putting all your money into that house and risking that it might not come back because you might, is something that you got to be very thoughtful about. Um, but if you're in a position where of, of, of enough confidence to say, I, my job's secure enough where I can be very comfortable, I don't think I'm going to get wiped out, um, then, then I think it's always a good time to buy and, and invest in yourself in real estate. Yeah, I but it's a very personal decision. I, I believe it is. That. It is. Uh, uh, yeah, I think job stability. That's a really good one. Really insightful one. Take a look at your company. <laughs> Take a yeah. look at what it does. Take a look at what you're getting your paycheck. Um, mm -hmm. ever, people are going to get squeezed. We're heading yep. into this time where people people are already you're starting to see savings account go down and yep. you're starting to see costs go up. 
uh, people are making choices to cut out some of the basic, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say basic, I should say beyond basic things, um, yeah. uh, you know, to make ends meet. And if, if your business or your income is surviving on that, then you should probably take note and be a little bit careful. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. And, and then in addition to that, make sure you have your cash reserves because cash, cash can solve a lot of things, right? Oh, man, Absolutely. So what, uh, it's funny, I have a very similar story with my house. I built it in 06, 07, yeah. costs were high, um, you know, lost my equity afterwards. But again, I raised my kids in it. I still actually am in that house. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not, a, I don't move around either. I've been in it 14, 15 years. Um, almost exact same story. But again, I, the long play, I never really measured my equity year to year to year. It was my home. Oh. I was raising my kids in it. I was making the payment and all that stuff. And I was monitoring rates and all those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, it was it was a, it's a long term play. Um, what what would you suggest somebody put as far as cash reserves heading into these you know what I would call headwinds? So in most mortgage situations, you know we we want to see anywhere from six to twelve months reserves, depending okay. on the product you're getting, depending on the loan amount you're getting, um, and that's to qualify. That's just to get the loan. And so, and, and, and again, for, for those of you that maybe don't understand what reserves means, just the ability to make 12 payments without having to, you know, fi figure out where the money's coming from, right? So just the ability to make 12 full payments. I think that's a really healthy place to be in because if all hell breaks loose and you can, and you know, you can pay your mortgage for a year, you have a lot of time to figure out how to get your employment situation handled or whatever, or solve the crisis that has hit your family and life. And, and I think that's a really healthy spot. But, you know, if someone's a little more aggressive personally than maybe six months, maybe nine months, they can dive in. Um, but that's kind of where I where I put the bar. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think and that that can solve a lot of issues. If if, if you have a four thousand dollar a month mortgage, you need forty eight grand in the bank. And that, that should be your base. You should pretend like you have zero. That's right. You just leave that and don't even yeah. look at it. That's right. <laughs> Well, and if you don't have that money, you know, this is the time. This is why we talk about side hustles, right? Work a side hustle, get that money saved. You don't want to be so tight. And we teach people this that are investing, right? It's yeah. like if you have a vacancy for two months, you don't want to be defaulting on your, your mortgage, right. right? I mean, you know, you can't cut it so tight that any little hiccup is going to, you know, put you in a, in a dilemma. So you have to have some, you know, save differently or get a side hustle, something where you can build up your savings right now. That's right. It, it is within your power to do it. And, and uh, you know, please listen, because this I've watched my uh, I've watched cycles, uh, real estate cycles go up and yep. down and the people with the cash survive. Yep. Isn't that right? 100%. Out? 100%. Yeah. Well, Alec, this has been awesome. Thanks. It's been a great topic. Uh, very timely. Yes, uh, very yes. timely. <laughs> How do people uh, get a hold of you? Google. <laughs> <laughs> Loan Depot, L-O-A-N-D-O-D-E-P-O-T, L-O-A-N-D-E-P-O-T.com, right? That's it. All it's right. like Home Depot, but Loan Depot. Loan that's Depot. Right. That's, that's right. That's right. All right. Awesome. Uh, Alec, hey, great chatting with you, man. Hey, and, thank uh, you, guys. Best to you and your family. Thanks. You too. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Strategies Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and let us know what you thought of today's episode. Want to take the next step as a real estate investor? Join our free community and gain access to dozens of beginner courses, blogs, weekly insider updates, and much more. Visit KenMcElroy.com slash podcast. 
Thank you, and we'll see you next week.